chapter 2. We're going to read the first 10 verses of Colossians chapter 2. And uh, we're going to look at uh, a warning uh, from the Apostle Paul to the, to the Colossians and the uh, folks at, uh, I can't remember the name of it, at verse 1, Laodicea. And it's a warning for us. It's a, it's a word encouraging us to become a stronger Christian, to be a deeper Christian, okay? Tells us why we should and tells us what it is. We'll read from verse 1. For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. Now that would include us, wouldn't it? That include us, right? We've never seen the Apostle Paul in the flesh. Verse 2, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That whom is Christ. Okay, that... that the whom there is the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3, In whom are hid all the treasures and of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye therefore receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him, rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith, as you've been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in Jesus, in him which is the head of all principalities and powers. Now, he mentions in verse 8, he said, Beware, verse 8, lest any man spoil you through philosophy, vain deceit, and the traditions of men and the rudiments of of the world. Now he's going to give a list of that in the latter part of chapter 2 and we will go over that before we leave the book of Colossians. He opens up the chapter by saying I, I'm troubled. I'm troubled for you. I'm concerned. Verse 1. I want you to be discipled. I want you to grow up. I want you to mature in Christ. I want you to be an active, mature believer. And to do this he, he gives us kind of a a list of things they need to develop in their life if they're going to be a mature grown-up Christian. He said that you be comforted in your heart. You can't be a strong Christian if you're worried. You can't be a strong Christian if you're not sure you're saved. You can't be a mature Christian if, if everything frightens you, if everything shakes you up. Follow me? You need to grow to the place of stability so that you're comforted in your heart. You need to know that you 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 know that you're saved. 
You know your relationship with God, so you'd be comforted. Then he goes to that you'd be knit together with others. Verse 2, that you'd be knit together. So as a Christian, if you're a mature Christian, if you're a growing Christian, you're not just self-concerned and self-consumed, but you realize that you are a part of the body of Christ, other believers, especially those within your church family, and you are part of that group of people, and you are counted as one. Are you counted as one? Here's the deal. At some point in your Christian life, if you've been saved beforehand, and you come here, you might feel like an outsider. That's okay for you to feel that. It's not okay for us to make you feel that way. Okay? But you feel that, but you should get more comfortable in the family of faith more comfortable in the church family the longer than you're here. And let me guarantee you this. We have a good reputation of warming up to people and making people feel comfortable with our church. So if you've got a problem, it's probably you. I'm not trying to make you mad. I'm just trying to say, look at the source of the problem. Try to get it fixed. So he says, if you're going to be a mature Christian... You need to be comforted in your understanding of truth that where you stand with God. You need to knit together, bind together, knit together. That You know you know what that means. Together with others. And, and you, you need to have full assurance. Grow to the place of full assurance. Get to the place where you're not doubting your salvation. Get to the place where you have confidence in your relationship with the Lord and that you have understanding. It takes Bible knowledge to get understanding understanding you got to spend time in scripture and then the last thing he says there that would represent a mature growing christian is that you would have knowledge of christ and his purpose now jesus didn't come here just to be worshiped he came here that he might save that which was lost he came here to give people the way to heaven, and he is the way, the truth, and the life. So in all that we do, make sure that we are trying to reach people that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. We are on patrol of the area. We're to witness to the lost. We're to win the lost. We're to invite the lost to come hear the Word of God and to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. That's the mature Christian. Now, he says, my worry, verse 4, we went through verses 1 through 3 there pretty good. Verse 4, he says, and this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Now, all of that that I mentioned in the first part is so that you can be a sound Christian that you won't be tricked. Don't be tricked. Now listen to me. Listen. You know, if you haven't been listening, listen now. The Christian life experience is not about a group of us coming together to worship on Sunday, although that is a vital part of the Christian life. That's not the end of it. That's only the beginning of it. The reality is that we're to take Christ into our life and live Him out. We're to serve the Lord Jesus Christ and we're to serve others. We are to be a part of the body. You are a hand. You are a foot. You are a neck. You are an ankle. You are a hand. You are an eye. And you are maybe something that we wouldn't like. We have those too, don't we? And they're necessary. 
You say, he's a rear end. Well, they're necessary. Amen. So, verse 4, he says, And this I say, lest any man should beguile you through enticing words. Don't be beguiled into the point to where all you do is show up and do your thing and think, well, I've done what I'm supposed to do for Christ. No, not in any fashion is that true. We're to live Christ, we're to witness Christ, and we're to be the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. Hey, Jesus said, do you love me? Keep my commandments. He also taught this, when, Lord, when do we serve you? When do we serve you, the Lord? When you do it unto the least of these, you have done it unto me. We need to look, look around at other people and be a blessing to them. And for sure, people are going to hell without the Lord Jesus Christ, and we must warn them. We must warn them. So, he said, beware, lest any man, or he didn't say the beware there, he said, lest any man should beguile you. Have you ever been off track as a Christian? Let's have a show of hands. I don't mean you got out of church. Let me tell you something about us that get off track. We're off track a long time before we quit church. Anybody ever been off track? Give me a hand. Uh, Got some nods. Okay. Yeah, we've all been off track. We all have a nature to get off track. All we like sheep have what? Gone astray. I am a shepherd, but I'm a sheep too. So I have, I have problems just like you do. So if you've ever been off track, you have uh, been beguiled. You were on the path of being tricked if you weren't already tricked. Now he says this, and, and it's definitely a reference to Eve in the garden. There's no way the apostle could have made these statements without the Holy Spirit prompting him of what happened to Eve when the serpent came to her and lied to her. Lied to her. The devil lies to us all the time. We need to listen for the truth and we need to hear what someone says. The best tricksters of all are those that are from Satan, from the world. Lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. I tell you what, we all have dreams and aspirations that we know are in the will of God, and we all have dreams and aspirations that we know are outside of the will of God. Enticing words might lead us down the wrong path. Now, the Christian life, is, it's, it's lined up. It's lined up with booby traps, landmines. All of these are designed by a spiritual enemy, enemy we call Satan, through the world or through our flesh or through him himself to stop our progress in growing to the maturity as I mentioned in my first part of the message. It's all designed to get you off track. When one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. When you are drawn off track, when you are just kind of trying to get by and not having victory in your Christian life and not serving the Lord, I suffer for it and others suffer for it. It's a body function that we do at church. That's why you need to be in a church and be a part of it. Be in a church and be a part of it. And I thank God for those of you who are serving in some capacity and, and just really supporting what's going on. You, we need that. 
If you don't do that, we all suffer. The body suffers. Now the path out of God's will is a path that looks right. You would not take that path if it did not look right. You need to keep your soul, your spirit in tune with the Word of God and the will of God and make sure that you don't take the wrong path in the Christian life. It doesn't have to be a false teacher that that gets you off track. It can just simply be a lure. You, you know what mama fish always tells her little baby fishes. If it looks too good to bite it, don't bite it. Leave it alone. But still yet, fish have been biting those lures for 6,000 years. So have Christians. James tells us that every man, when he is deceived... He's deceived through his own desires. Satan has a design plan to beguile you. Look at verse 4 again. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you through enticing words. Now let me ask you a question. How many of us like it when someone is straight out truthful to us and tells us what they think and don't have any concern about how we feel about it? How many of us like to hear that? Raise your hand. Okay. But I guarantee you that's not your first choice on how someone confronts you. Amen? We'd rather hear it smoothed over a little bit. I'll tell you how I like to... Here's how I like to hear the truth. I like someone to spice it up, make it sound like they're going to brag on me and say something good and hit me with a sucker punch after I've swallowed all of it. Because then I'll say to myself, I should have seen that coming. (laughs) How many like it that way? Take your choice. But you know what? The truth sometimes has to be bluntly stated. Only a lie can be spiced up to the point that it never looks like it's what it really is. Be careful, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. You know, in, in the book of Timothy, Paul warns him that in last days there be people seeking teachers because they have itching ears. What does that mean? It means that they want to hear something good, something positive, something uplifting. The truth is not always uplifting. It has to knock you to your knees to get you where you need to be sometimes. So he gives us his warning. Then he gives us his compliment and his assurance to him in verse 5. He says, Though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, joying and beholding your order and your steadfastness and your faith in Christ. Now, he, he says some positive things here. He said, I'm with you. He said, I'm with you. I'm on your side. I've, I've told you things that you really don't want to hear and you... You thought I was your enemy for saying them. But he said, I'm really on your side. He said, I really do admire you. And you know, it's a true thing. It's a true thing. I don't know. If you've ever been a teacher or someone in a school where you work with kids, you can pick this up real quick. You ever been a basketball coach, a baseball coach, or anyone that's working like this? There is some people that you deal with, you never have to challenge them. Amen? You, You just really, all you can do is just say positive things and they respond to that and they pick up real quick. 
There's some people that you don't even waste your time trying to help, right? I mean, they are there, maybe not in spirit, but they're there physically, and you just, they're there. But then there's a great majority that on occasion you have to have a man-to-man or a woman-to-woman conversation, right? And you're praying that they're going to take it right. You're praying that they're going to take it right. And that's what Paul is doing here. He admires these people. They, they, they are, they're saved people. And he said, he said I, I admire you for your order, for your steadfastness, for your faith in Christ. But he's going to challenge them to be more, to be better than they are. So Paul recognizes these things. And these are important. In your life as a Christian, is there order? Is there order? Do you realize that you can get too spread out? Some of you can take more than others. It's just our nature, right? You can take more. You can be spread thinner than other people. Some can't. But be, be sure, every now and then, declutter your life, right? And sometimes... Put some order into your life. Okay? Over in Mark chapter 6, I want to read this verse to you, verse 31. And, and Paul and Jesus said to them, Come ye yourself apart into the desert place and rest a while. And rest a while. Jesus told his disciples to come apart to desert place and rest a while. No one can take it every day. Right? They had lots of stuff going on and they had no leisure of time. He even mentions the word leisure in the last part of that. And they were busy serving. They had to have time apart. Okay? So, we need that. And then Mark chapter 9 verse 2, he says, And after six days, Jesus taught... Uh, taketh with him Peter, James, and John, and leads them up to a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. On this one, they go to a high mountain to worship. So you need both of those things. I won't sort the rest of that out, but simply you need resting and you need rejoicing. You need resting and you need rejoicing. You need resting and you need worship. Now the question is your life in order. Get it in order. Mothers, impossible task. Impossible task. You mothers that have three or more children, God bless you. Husbands, God bless you. You say two is, is all. I've got two, preacher, and I'm in that category. I understand what you mean. But three is a little more than you can handle. And four, you might as well have number four if you have number three because you lose your mind then and you don't know what's going on. I'm not advising that. I'm just stating it. He said, I admire your order. There needs to be order in our life. There needs to be order in the church. I thank God for the calmness we have today. Everybody's on the same page and watch it. Don't wake him up. Everything's going good. And then he said, I admire your steadfastness. So let me ask you this, is steadfastness a characteristic of your life? Are you steady? Are you steady? Are you under the circumstances or on top of your circumstances? 
is it, is it steadfast? James tells us in chapter 1 verse 6 that we can be an unwavering person or we can be a wavering person like the waves of the sea. Someone went on a cruise. I can't remember who it was. I was Josiah. I was talking to him this morning. He said that the waters were like this on the way back. And I got sick just hearing it. I don't take waves very good. My wife and I were having a conversation this morning. And she said, I don't know what I would do if you were a person that life was filled with drama. I said, I would not have married you if you was a person that was filled with drama. Now, you can take a lot in your marriage, but drama is not, not one of them. It just drives the whole place crazy. That's the lack of steadfastness. In the, in the ideal of steadfastness, we need to go back to point one, know who we are, know where we stand, and, and work from there. In a relationship, if you never know where you are, never know where you stand, there's nothing to build on. That's the foundation. And you need that foundation. The Bible says of Moses that he was faithful in all of his house. God used him in a great way, but it, it says of him, it mentions this, that he was faithful in his house. He was steadfast. The Bible teaches us in Hebrews to hold fast to the confidence that we have and the hope. He said, and he said, he used the word firm. Firm. Hold firm. You don't need to be wibbly wobbly. Uh, Ephesians warns us in chapter 4, verse 14, Be not children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and everything. Let me tell you something. The enemy puts a lot of junk out to go through your mind, and a, a lot of it just needs to pass on through. If you get a hold of it and waller it around, you'll probably be worse off. He compliments their faith. Now, Paul, Paul, what do you want us to do? Look at verse 6. He said, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord walk ye in him. That's what he wants you to do. You received him by faith. You got saved by faith. I want you to walk it out. I want you to live the Christian life. He said, this is coming at you. You need to prepare yourself. You need to be order and steadfast and in your faith and, and all this. But you need to build your faith. You need to build your faith so that you can have order in your life as it gets deeper and have steadfastness, steadfastness in your life as it gets crazier in life. He said, I want you to walk with the Lord, and I want you to walk with the Lord, and I want you to live the Christian life. That's what Paul says. You know, we'd ask the question, do others see Jesus in you? So why does he say this? Well, he goes on to tell us why we need to be prepared and why we need to grow. Verse 8, beware. Now, he said, don't be beguiled in verse 4. And now he says in verse 8, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy, vain deceit, after the tradition of man, after the rudiments of the world, and, and not after Christ. So uh, why do we need the preparation? We need the preparation because someone's not happy with us being a Christian. Someone is not happy with us being a Christian. I'm not even going to put a name on that. He said, Beware lest someone spoil you. Now the word spoil comes from the Old Testament. The word spoil, when they would go in and defeat 
a, a group of people, they would take all of their stuff and pillage their stuff and take away all the good stuff and leave them with nothing. Take it all away. And you know what Paul is saying here to us? That somebody wants to spoil us and take everything we've got. He warns us. They want to ruin you. And the Satan can do that. Be careful. Why do we need to prepare? Why do we need to grow? Why do we need to do what he's going to tell us to do in these verses? Because someone is after you and they want to spoil you. You know, we, we have many blessings in our life. We could talk about our country. We could talk about our church. We could talk about our home. We could talk about our own personal life. Someone wants to spoil us. In our country, in our community, in our home, in our church, someone wants to infiltrate and wants to isolate and wants to eliminate us. That's true in our country. We have the blessing of liberty in America, don't we? The blessing of liberty. But someone wants to infiltrate so that they can isolate, so they can eliminate our blessings. How does it work? Through philosophy. You know, it's becoming, becoming clearer more every day that there's a philosophy of the world and there's a philosophy in the Bible. It's becoming more clear every day. And it, the philosophy of Satan is being projected and put out on us more every day. The whole concept, let's just use one concept. And thank God it's not happening here, but in different school districts in America, uh, the, the Marxist is bringing in ideology in different places in the country and wanting the parents not to have any say. Now, is there anyone here... Now, I realize a parent doesn't need to get their way when it's a personal issue at the school board, when they're outright wrong. Okay, we're going to say that, right? But when their thoughts are common, basic truth that the whole world was built upon, then they got something to argue about. We need to be a bottom-up world, not a top-down. needs to be within us. So, he says, beware of philosophy. He says, beware of vain deceit. I'd say, beware of the evolutionary philosophy that teaches you that you are God, that He is not God. The philosophies of materialism, the philosophies of, of just do whatever you want to do, and... and that you're a sexual being and you can determine your sexuality and you can say who you're going to be and God has nothing to do. Beware of philosophy. And then he says vain deceit. People just trying to trick you. Beware of people trying to trick you. Have you ever read the part in the Bible about an angel of light? Second Corinthians 11. Satan doesn't come to you and says, I'm the devil. I wear a red suit. I'm here to capture you. I'm here to trick you. I'm here to deceive you. Does he wear the red suit and comes out and say that? No, he doesn't. He is an angel of light. He comes with beguiling statement and enticing words. We've got to be on our toes, spiritually speaking. Be careful. He's tricking. He says, be careful of the rudiments of the world. Now, he's going to get into those later, so I won't spend time with the rudiments of the world. We'll go get to the answer. It talks about the tradition of men. So what should we do? Paul, what are you trying to do? You, you, gave, you, you gave us the warning. You, you gave us the reason. You gave us, 
You gave us why and all that. You don't want us to get messed up. You don't want us to get seen. What do you want to do? He said, number one, I want you to be rooted. Verse 7. I want you to be rooted. Now, how many, how many can understand that? It's pretty simple in it. I want you to be rooted. You think about a tree. I think of, I think of a willow tree. You know, uh, in our yard down south, we'd have willow trees all the time. And they would, in that black dirt, they'd blow over all the time. They'd grow up big and fast. And they blow over all the time. they split and everything. But then, I think about Bullinger County. I think about these oak trees. Now, a storm can tear them up. But they're rooted. It's important for a tree to get rooted. You go back to Psalms chapter 1. You ought to read it when you get home. I won't take you through there now. But blessed is the man, he says. And how is he blessed? When he's rooted. When he's rooted by the river where he can get water. The water is the Holy Spirit. The Word of God. Blessed are the rooted. We need to be rooted. He, he says, I want you to be rooted in the Word of God. I want you to be rooted in your church. I want you to be rooted in the body of Christ. And I want you to be rooted in ministry. That's what he's saying. Be a part of it. Get involved with it. And make it a part of your life. That's what he says. Then he says, I want you to be built up. Built up. Verse 7, same thing. Look at verse 7. Rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith, as you've been taught, abounding therewith with thanksgiving. Our faith is the foundation. We need to dig down, let our roots grow down deep into the, the, the good soil. I re- remember the, recorded in the Synoptic Gospels the, the four, ty- four types of soil. We need to be rooted in that good soil. The foundation is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Word of God is the instruction, the teaching. We need to be built up in that. We need to be rooted, and we need to be built up. You take a house. Some of you know about a house. You know enough about about a house to follow the illustration. You don't make the roof first. At least, not that I know of. The first thing you do, you lay a foundation. Then you, you bring the walls up. Then you put the roof on. And you get it in the dry. You know anything about building? You know, you know what in the dry means. And then you work on the inside of it. You, you fortify it. You fortify the house first. As a Christian, we need to be rooted. That's first. That's the foundation. And then we build the walls and the roof. We fortify our walk, our Christian experience. We get it down deep and we grow up in the Word of God, and we're strong in the faith. What does it produce? It produces us to be established. Established. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, one of my favorite verses of the Bible. Paul says this, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Always abounding in the work of Be there. Be a part of. Be involved. Be, he says, the word steadfast, unmovable, and abounding. That's a grown up. That's, you're grown up when you do that. Established in the faith. The goal. The goal of the Christian life is for us to be established by being rooted and built up, becoming a mature Christian. And then he seals it. And we'll stop with that. Verse uh, 7. 7, there it is in verse 7. 
He said, abounding with thanksgiving. How many of us have a bad attitude today? I've probably already been accused of it. Attitude is so important. Attitude determines your altitude, doesn't it? Attitude. It's a state of mind. It's as simple as a state of mind. How many of us realize that first impressions can be lasting impressions? How many of us realize that first impressions can be deceptive impressions? You've got to have both sides of that coin. We need to be established. Prepared. That when the test comes, we're ready for it. Can I explain life to you real quick in a nutshell? You're born lost. You're going to die. You're going to spend eternity in one of two places. Heaven or hell. Not heaven or not. You've seen that one too, haven't you? Not heaven or not. It's either heaven or hell. In the meantime, it's our responsibility to give you an opportunity to come to Christ and become a Christian. If you reject that message of the gospel, you spend eternity separated from God. If you receive that message of the gospel, life becomes a different thing for you. (laughs) It becomes a life of testing. God puts you through this. God teaches you this. Then God puts you through another test. And then you learn from the test and you, you are taught some more and you go through a bigger test. And the Christian life becomes, if you really want to zero it in into a nutshell, it becomes a series of learning and being tested. And here's what you don't realize when you're young. You think when you're young it's all about what I can accomplish in this life. I'm going to tell you something. When you get old it's how you can endure it. Can I make it? And it really is a life of testing. How am I doing? Checking yourself out and learning. Now, in, in summary, let me tell you what he said. Beware lest any man spoil you. Be careful lest anyone entice you. And realize that God himself allows you to be tested and taught, tested and taught. That we can grow up into Christ as a mature Christian. How are you doing? Paul said, I'm worried about you, that you'll stop right where you're at, enjoying your Christian life. Really enjoying it. He said, be careful. Enticement's coming. Be careful. Beware. Spoiler's coming. Here's what I want you to do to get ready. I want you to be rooted, and I want you to be built up so you can mature for it. Be steadfast. Now, let me tell you, it all begins with our Salvation experience. Are you saved? Have there, has there been a time, a place, where you put your faith in Christ? What's, uh, what's dominating your life today? The right things, the wrong things? Make a decision for Christ today. As we stand to our feet, and our, our pianist comes, song leader comes, musicians come, If you're not a Christian, we want to invite you to Christ today. Give you an opportunity to respond to a gospel message 
that God's Son died on the cross for your sins, for you to be saved. You come and give your heart to Christ today. Let's all sing it together. Would you give your life to Jesus today? Alright. Let's have our ushers come. Alright. Boy, it's a little warm in here now, isn't it? Anybody warm? Started off a little cold. Prayer.